work with a financial advisor versus self-manage all their money? Well, there's a few reasons, but uh, and that's a good question. I would say the first thing is time, training, and temperament. So the three T's, if people don't have time to do it themselves, if they don't have the training and they don't have the temperament, they mean the emotional um, fortitude uh, to do it on their own, then they should potentially seek professional help. What What does the perfect asset allocation look like? Dependent on client. So it's everything we do is client specific and customized to that individual or that um, couple. Um, so there is no perfect asset allocations. It's predicated more on the particular client, but typically a diversified portfolio is beneficial. Can you invest in Chinese markets? Through ADRs, American Depository Receipts, you can get exposure to foreign, any foreign or most foreign countries through American stock exchanges. There are different ways to invest in the Chinese market, but um, we nothing we do invest directly into Chinese A shares. What about pink sheets? Pink sheets um, may be appropriate for some people. I don't solicit business. I don't ask anyone to invest in pink sheet companies. That would only be something where I do it reactively. If someone calls me or has a, a special um, one-off that they, they want to invest in a small speculative type company, then yeah, we'll do pink sheets, but it's not something I would solicit someone's business on. How about marijuana stocks? To each their own. I mean, again, that's a, a something that I think is a little bit more speculative. It may work out, some of them may work out very well, but I don't recommend those. I do have clients that have asked me to buy certain marijuana stocks for them, which I do. Um, but again, that's something I would do reactively. What do you do proactively? Proactively, um, I usually try to use a four-step process. The first step would be discovery, sitting down with a person or a couple or even a family and um, learning about their situation. What is your situation? You know, um, how do you feel about risk? What is your ta tax implications? When do you need the money? Um, comfort levels, do you have a will or a trust? Try to go through the whole workup of who, who are these people or who is this person? Um, what their experience has been investing, um, and then secondarily, so that would be the first step is discovery. The second step would be recommendations. Once I learn what I would like to learn about them, I'll say, hey, this is how much I think you should have in stocks, bonds, real estate, so on and so forth. Um, third thing would be implementation. Do they want to implement all or part of my solutions? And then fourthly, an ongoing review and monitor. So I, I review all my client accounts every quarter, go over things and, and keep in close contact with my clients. So in a perfect world, that's how things are done. Four-step process, discovery, recommendations, implementations, review and monitor. Do you have clients um, where you serve them at different levels or is that basically the approach, the quarterly review for all clients? Um, different levels, do you mean the relationship was initiated different than, than that process? No, I guess I just mean uh, more of an advisory role versus a management role. Um, well, some, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking. On some of my client relationships, I'm a fiduciary and some of them I'm not. So there's different relationships predicated on the type of accounts that are appropriate for the client. Okay. So there are brokerage accounts and then there are managed accounts and one it's suitability and one it's fiduciary. Explain that. Okay. So traditionally through the years, typical accounts for clients were brokerage accounts, which are um, 
whatever I recommend or, or put clients into has to be suitable and appropriate for the client. Now the industry has changed because of Department of Labor regulations. Um, there's more of a fiduciary standard. So more and more often now clients are working with me on a fiduciary basis where it's not appropriate and suitable. It has to be held to, is it in their best interest? So it's a higher level of responsibility, a higher level of, um, of care that has to be taken in those fiduciary uh, client accounts. Do you think that we have a massive correction coming? I don't know, but I would, I would plan for it. I mean, you don't want to own assets that you're not comfortable with knowing that a correction may be around the corner at, at any time. What kind of assets would those be? Depends on the person. Well, what's the best way to prepare for a correction? To know that it's coming and have a plan mapped out prior to the correction, knowing that it's coming. What would be in that plan? Um, an understanding of, see, that's part of the first step that we do during discovery is going over risk. If someone has, for example, maybe a half million dollars or considering investing, and we think a correction will draw it down by 30%, talking with them, hey, seeing that, that $500,000 lose $150,000. You know, how are you going to feel about that? Because inevitably it's going to happen. You know, we are going to have a correction or a, a serious pullback at some point. How are you going to feel about seeing your 500,000 go down to $350,000 and then have bring that real heart to heart. And hopefully they're candid with me and their responses and that, that um, they say, no, you know, I'm really not comfortable with the value of my account going down by that much. And maybe it's more appropriate for them to have a more conservative portfolio, a little bit more money in bonds or a little bit more money in cash so that um, when the correction does happen, that it, it won't take as heavy a toll on their account as, um, as initially we had thought. For investors like that, when the correction does happen, do they end up buying more or do they stay on the sideline? It depends on the investor personality. I mean, a lot of people that I work with are, are retired. So um, what they have invested is what they have. So if you have a portfolio with 60% in stocks, 20% in real estate and 20% in bonds, um, and we've decided that that's the correct asset allocation for you, and then the, the market correction happens, they don't necessarily have more cash on the sidelines to get to work. Um, so, so they just have to ride it through. There are some people that do think more opportunistically and may have a pot of cash that they're sitting on waiting for um, a downturn to happen. Do you frequently trade for your clients or do they have to call in trades? I always trade for my clients. I mean, when I'm, especially in those fiduciary accounts, I mean, that's the whole, the whole purpose and the whole point is to be managing my clients' money. Uh, that's my job. But you have to get approval from them or you just trade as you see fit within those accounts? So there's a discretionary agreement that we work on prior to doing business. So if they want to work with me on a fiduciary basis, I ask them for discretionary authority. And if they grant that authority to me, then yes, I do act on their behalf um, when it's appropriate. Um, do you have, what is your best, I don't know if you can say this or not, but what is your best value and growth stock at this time? Pick, play, pick. I'd be hesitant to, to put out any individual names and, and just a word of caution to anyone that may, may be watching this. Anytime there's anyone on TV or any, any um, forum that gives a blanket recommendation to a diverse group of people, I would be cautious with that because I don't know who's going to be watching this and what their, what their situation may be. And the last thing I want to do is give 
bad advice to the wrong person. So I don't, I don't have any specific. But at the end of the day, isn't it, you know, if you're a fan of their business model, if they have good revenue um, and a good leadership team, it's a pretty solid recommendation. Long-term. Well, things change. I mean, no one thought General Motors was going to go out of business or AIG or a host of other companies. So things are always changing. And, and even though you may know something about a company, it very seldom do people really understand everything going on about myself included. I don't have, I'm not an analyst. I don't have 30 hours a week to spend analyzing four companies. Um, very seldom do people really, really have an incredible working knowledge of, of a particular company in a particular industry. Are analyst ratings reliable? Some of them, some of them have better track records than others. Um, what about ETS versus mutual funds? Um, they're both fine. I mean, they're different. You know, an ETF has, has some attributes that are more akin to a mutual fund and some attributes that are more akin to an individual stock. You know, they are diversified, but typically, typically they're unmanaged, unlike a mutual fund that's act typically actively managed and, and diversified. Do you have clients in crypto? No. None? None. Are you seeing more people buying or selling right now? Um, well, most of my clients are holding. So, holding, um, okay. Yeah. So time, temperament, and training. So clients don't have time to manage their money. They right. don't have the training, meaning explain the training part. You have to have some understanding of if you're going to be trading in individual stocks, it would be beneficial to you to have some understanding of, you know, um, the fundamentals of, of business ownership. And unless you have, you can be self-taught, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but unless you have good, solid uh, underpinnings there, educational underpinnings, it's going to be tough um, to make good decisions about what to own and when to own it. Well, yeah, and I, I, I will uh, lean mostly into your temperament point of view, because um, that's the one reason I use a financial advisor, because I, at times, see myself doing emotional investing, which you, you even know you're doing it, and you still do it. And you know, when I find myself emotionally investing the most, right before they release earnings every quarter, hmm. it's like a trap. Well, uh, it, it may be, I mean, you're, you seem to be kind of geared more towards individual equities or individual stocks where that's not common. You know, m most people are more geared towards um, owning good quality diversified assets and, and having them grow for them over time. So it's, it's very, it's seldom that people are interested in owning individual equities. And if they do, it's maybe a one-off or, hey, um, you know, my company, work, my kid works for this company, I wanna buy some stock in Starbucks or whatever it may be. Um, so, so it's not, it used to be more common for people to own portfolios with individual stocks Fewer and few, fewer people own those types of things, mostly mutual funds and ETFs lately. Why? Um, easier diversification, less risk. Mm -hmm. um, the market's been on fire. So on the, you know, when you, I don't study the mutual fund market, which I believe you're alluding to. Um, are most funds up somewhere between what, over the last 12 months? Yeah. Uh, 
most funds is a tricky question because there's all types of different funds. You know, there's but if they're diversified, funds. shouldn't it all average out? That's what doesn't make sense to me. What doesn't make sense to you? I don't understand. This idea of these mutual funds are supposed to be diversified. In professionally managed and internally diversified. That's correct. And so theoretically, if it's unless you're unless it's truly an emerging market mutual fund versus a growth mutual fund, I guess you know you can't compare the two. But for each asset class of mutual funds, shouldn't the fund return, regardless of if it's you know company A, company B, company C's fund, perform generally the same? No, I mean that goes back to the quality of management. Okay. Some managers are better than others. And, and don't forget about ETFs. You can always passively manage through ETFs. So I'd say that one more time. Don't forget about ETFs. You can always passively manage through ETFs. Because when you take a, when you, you or anyone else purchases an ETF or has money in ETFs, it tracks a certain segment. Typically, it tracks a certain segment of the market. Most ETFs are not actively managed you're buying into a, a subset of the market, whether it's energy or consumer cyclicals or um, consumer staples or large cap value. So you're gonna get the return commensurate with that particular asset class without it being managed. Okay. So, so the, but I mean, so just, I mean, let's just take, for example, a mix of, I don't know, a, a technology ETF or mutual fund well-managed over the last 12 months? What would someone, a range, see in terms of? Well, the last 12 months has, has been quite good. You know, um, I don't know on the dot. I would have to look up a specific tech fund and, and give you a figure there. But yeah, um, the last 12 months has been good relatively across the board for U.S. equities. I mean, are we see, are people seeing, are people seeing, you know, like a 25% gain in their account value over the last 12 months if they're playing in ETFs and mutual funds? Like, cause I, again, as you know, I am a, 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 I take a lot of risk and you know, you do see that over the last 12 months with individual stocks, obviously. Do you, are we seeing that with mutual funds and ETFs? Uh, adjusted for risk for the more aggressive stuff. Yes. I mean, the market's been very good for more aggressive investments over the past year or so. Okay. So then it's really as long if you can, so you can play the risk game with mutual funds and ETFs, but you're saying that's safer than individual stocks still, because you're, if, if one company fails, you got like a few others in there. Right. Is that what I'm yes. And generally these questions may be more relevant to you than, than to other folks, because a lot of people are more interested in when their statement comes, what's my bottom line? How much money have I made and how much risk am I taking? You know, so, so performance management and fees. So performance is a, is a big portion of the, of the equation, but so is risk management. How much risk am I taking? And of course, fees um, are the third problem there. Well, so, I agree with you. And I guess what I'm trying to help other investors understand through, through these questions is, you know, I think that... Um, individual self-managed investors that go on to their platform of choice to buy they're in, they're picking equities most of the time i don't i don't i think that most people buying mutual funds are using brokers that's my assumption am i wrong i don't know i've never seen the research on if individual investors are putting more money into individual equities or etfs or mutual funds okay so yeah i could have a faulty assumption there um but 
but I, I think, you know, when you, when you turn on CNBC or Bloomberg, they don't really talk about mutual funds. They don't typically. That's right. They're, so the not as, they're not as sexy. I mean, they don't, you know, the, on those shows, a lot of times they want to talk about what's new and what's hot, what's great or what's horrible. Um, but they, they don't really talk about what's boring and conservative, but works out very well over the 20, 30 years. So most of the folks who are retired or about to retire, am I hearing you right? They don't own many individual stocks? I would say, I don't know with certainty. I've never personally studied the matter, but from my experience, just from people that I've run into over the last 15 years, I would say the most people that have been employees of other of companies, that the vast majority of their wealth is in cash, be that at the bank, um, and then mutuals or some other diversified investments. Yeah, I don't, most people don't buy individual stocks that much anymore. It used to be, it used to, you know, there's been a whole, um, just a continuum of, of changes in the investment world. It used to be investors bought individual stocks and individual bonds. Very seldom now um, do people buy individual bonds and most do-it-yourselfers, I guess they're buying individual stocks. I don't really know exactly what they're doing. Okay. So people will come to you because they need help finding the right investments for their lifestyle, their, where they're at in terms of their journey. And you will, they, they basically can review your performance. How? How do they know if you're doing a good job? Well, I do have reviews with clients every so often. It's, it's predicated by the clients just, uh, you know, when they want to visit. But usually we visit once a year. And then we talk over the phone more than once a year and review their account, see how the performance is going. But again, um, you know, the investments are very important, but they're part of the plan. The idea is to have a plan. If someone's getting ready to retire, how much income do they need? You know, the investment for portfolio looks very different for someone that's going to be in the income phase of, of their life. You know, they may have gone for 30 or 40 years in that accumulation, and now they're transitioning towards a distribution phase. Um, so, the important thing is the client goals. You know, what are they trying to accomplish? Um, do they need income? How much income do they need? How much risk are they willing to take? Do they have assets elsewhere? Do they have rental properties? So how does this fit into their big picture? So the first thing is, is the plan. That's the, the, the idea behind going through the discovery process is to formulate a plan for them. And then the investments fit into the plan according to all their specific criteria. What would be income? I mean, are, is that just uh, dividends or new? What are you talking about annuities or? I, I'm very careful with annuities. You have to, and and I urge caution when it comes to any insurance products. Um, but in general, income can produce different ways from uh, distributions, from mutual funds, from dividends, from stocks, from interest payments, from bonds, and it also can be from sales on. It, just using mutual funds as an example here, you can sell off a portion of your funds every month or every quarter, every year in order to produce the income. So there, there are different ways to get income, but, but that's, a, that's a real good question is how are clients getting income from their accounts? There's, there are many ways to do it and you have to be very careful. Most people can't afford to make a big mistake in the retirement accounts. That's something you haven't asked about that is critical to a lot of people, especially people um, that are getting close to retirement age is, um, how are they going to get the income from their accounts and, and um, be very careful with insurance products, um, mainly annuities. Why? Hidden fees would be the biggest um, reason. And secondly, um, illiquidity. 
if they need a lump sum to come out of there quickly. And then usually, and not always, but they don't produce greatest returns because of the internal operating expenses. So just be, be very careful on annuities. Just a sidebar there. When you're looking at annuities, the, the question is, are the fees worth the guarantees? So everyone should know that annuities have higher fees typically than most investments. And that can be okay sometimes if they're willing to pay higher fees in order to get the guarantees associated with those fees. So it's, it's a balancing act there. And people, before they go into any insurance product, should understand the fees involved. I mean, I don't even, can you explain it? Like, it, if I, you know, what is an annuity in the most simple term? There are different types of annuities. There are fixed annuities and there are variable annuities. But, but generally what you're doing is you're working, you have a contract with an insurance company and that's it. They have their end of the bargain to hold up, whether it's producing income or principal uh, guarantees, something is going to happen with your money and they're guaranteeing or backing that. Um, and it, it depends on, on exactly the annuity contract. Some annuities are very simple and they're almost like CDs. Some fixed annuities are very simple. Some, some annuities are very complex and there's all different types of rates of returns associated with them. Um, I would just say, I would just caution people, just be very careful with insurance products. Well, then let's go back to the question on income once you're you know, retired. And you're, I like your your the idea of you know selling as needed you know to take to have cash. Is there limits from retirement accounts how much you can take or? Typically, it's the opposite. Is that there's mandatory distributions that there aren't limits on the upside, meaning you can sell as much as you want, but typically there are um, minimums that you have to sell at least this much to withdraw from some type of retirement account. Required minimum distributions. So now the, the new age limit is 72. Once a person turns 72 years old, they have to, they're required to start taking money out of their, out of their re retirement accounts. And these people who are retiring or have left their jobs, is it required that they roll over their 401k into an IRA or just be very dis disadvantageous not to? It, sometimes they are required, uh, but usually... Um, and it can be advantageous or or not, you know. So, it, if they're work, in my opinion, if they're working with a, a capable, decent financial advisor, it is in their best interest. Um, but you have to go through the options, and you have to explain the options to them. Um, yeah, and some companies do require people to take their money with them. What would be the reason to leave it in the four hundred one k? Just because. Some, some, sometimes the fees are lower. The fees are lower. Okay. Sometimes, not always. Um, if, you know, if, it, if it's a large 401k with, with billions of dollars in it, the fees may be lower, uh, but there are limited options. Uh, typically, there are limited options, and they may not be getting any guidance or advice. So when does client will roll over their IRA 401k into an IRA to get more options? It sounds like still most of those options are generally mutual funds. Mutual funds, ETFs, I mean, you can always go into individual stocks, but you were asking some questions earlier, very pointed, um, specific questions about pink sheets and different types of individual stocks. And most people are not, in, most my experience has been, most people who are retiring are not interested in that. And, and that's more- I don't hang out with many people retiring, sorry. I hang out with a ton <laughs> of them. I, yeah. So um, different strokes for different folks, but yeah. most people's main concerns are, am I going to, Depending on the person and their individual situation, am I going to run out of money? That's 
you know, so, some people are very wealthy and it's not a concern, but for a lot of middle-class people is, am I going to run out of money? When and, they're retired, they start to worry about that is what you're saying. Yeah, actually probably about two to three years before they actually retire, those questions that had been in the back of their mind move to the front of their mind and it becomes more of a, a pressing matter for them. And you know, people also, I know you're a young lady, but people also change the way they think about things over time. Your way of thinking changes with the experiences you've encountered in life. And if you saw your 401k go in half in 2008, and then maybe even before that, if you were in the market in 2000, 2002, you saw it go in half. And then recently with COVID, you saw it decline significantly. When, when someone experiences this over and over and over, and now they're you know, mid, mid 60s, and they're thinking about retiring, Medicare, Social Security. Do they still have a mortgage? There are a lot of things that, that play into it. But if you have a number of bad experiences or, or significant losses, you may be more concerned about preventing losses as opposed to getting exceptional growth going forward. So, so every and everyone's different. That's a broad generalization. Yeah. Uh, what percentage of American, I guess, working Americans, um, invest outside of retirement accounts? I don't know. Okay. What about what percentage of working Americans have 401ks? Close to, it'd have to be pretty high. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know the specific numbers on that either, but um, most people that work for larger employers, I'll say a hundred or more um, employees, most are offered some type of 401k plan. Is there something that the, that uh, you know a 29 year old should they be putting a uh, discretionary income and maxing out that vehicle, or are there other vehicles they should be looking at? If someone's offered any type of retirement accounts, especially if it has a matching contribution, I would highly push them or or encourage them to max it out when you're young from the time you're say 19 to, to 40 years old, if you're putting away a lot of income during those years, if you're making decent money, it's very impactful in your 60s. It's incredible how that compounded. Why, why, do, they, why do they have a, a little max? Why can't you put it in as much money as you want? I don't know why they have a max. Maybe the government doesn't want to lose that many tax dollars. Oh, okay. All right. Awesome. Any final words of advice? from uh, yourself, a professional investor to anyone out there? Well, I'm a professional financial advisor. And I would say the, the words of advice would be be careful and work with someone that you feel comfortable with, work with someone you trust, and just be very careful. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. For more, please visit www.mamthematernity.com.